0: Traffic sucks, but your podcast don't have to. Welcome in to the Afternoon Drive with five,
1: And we're back for another installment of our Getting to Know the Coaches series. This week, we welcome in
0: head coach at Villarica, Coach Tim Barron.
1: He is a state championship coach at Her County and made the move to Villarica in the 2021 school year. So let's bring in Coach Barron
0: now as he is joining us on the Parian Lawyers Hotline. Welcome in, Coach. And I gotta ask you. I asked Rooster Russell the same thing. Where did you get the nickname Timbo from, and who was the first person that called you that?
2: Well, my dad's name is Tim, so I was I was the second, and um, so instead of calling you know somebody saying Tim, they just called me Timbo for whatever reason, and uh, it's been my name ever since.
0: I like it. I Always heard that nickname, and I was like, "Where in the world did that come from?"
2: Yeah, my wife's from uh, up north, and you know when she hears Timbo, she thinks of. A country bumpkin
0: now, now you say <laughs> up north where's she from up north her family's from chicago i did not know that okay all right that's that's where billy's family's from
2: there you go well you yep. wouldn't like been down here for so long you wouldn't know uh, she doesn't have a northern accent but uh but yeah her whole family's from chicago her parents her grandparents were born in Poland so uh Polish descent and it's pretty neat to listen to to their stories
0: That's awesome. Yeah. I, I had no idea my uh, my family's from or some of my family's from Columbus, Ohio and upstate New York and I remember my granddad saying when he came down to Georgia and went through one winter where he didn't have to dig his car out of the snow every single morning he said I ain't never going back to New York. That's the way they are. You know, uh <laughs> They do not want no part of that snow. I don't blame them.
1: That's the way my, my parents are. My parents moved down to, sh- moved down to Carrollton uh, probably 38 years ago, uh, right before I was born. So they're, And they haven't left since. They're like, we're not going back. So I, blame them. I don't blame uh, them. Coach, uh, you know, you've, you've been a big influence on a lot of people throughout Hurd County and Villarica, but the question I've got for you is, what is your favorite hobby to do when you're not coaching football?
2: Um, honestly, you know, cooking probably right now, I enjoy cooking, uh, when I'm in the kitchen and making a meal, you know, nobody's telling me, you know, I've made a bad call or questioning what I'm doing. So to me that that's peaceful, um, you know, for years, you know, at the house, at the end of every football season, I'd always start a project. I like to build things and, and, um, you know, we restored that house that was built in 1909 in Carrollton when we moved out there and and that was my hobby I I really enjoyed that but now that we've moved into a townhouse uh, I'm trying to figure out what my next hobby is going to be besides cooking.
0: Hey coach you talk about building stuff did you and Shane ever get on the same project together when you were down in Hurd County we we learned last week that he likes to work with wood and he likes to build stuff did y'all ever work on projects together? We did
2: we did I mean I leaned on him heavily a lot Uh, he came out when we, when we bought a house in Whitesburg, we put a hot tub out there. So he came out there and uh, helped me build the deck, and he, he really taught me how to build the deck. And uh, really, you know, from that point on, that we're always, if somebody does a project, he'll, he'll send me a picture. And, you know, he, Chris Edwards likes that, that kind of stuff, too. So we would bounce things off of each other, and we all kind of like doing that kind of stuff.
0: That that's great news because I actually have to rebuild my front deck this spring, so uh, I know who to call over when I need some assistance.
2: Yes, it's Shane Lassiter, L A. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> but, but, no, I, lean, I, I leaned I on Shane a bunch. That, that he, you know, I've never built a deck, and uh, you know, a lot of stuff that I do. I mean, I wouldn't know what I was doing, and you know, these days I just look up YouTube and I'd, I'd go to work because. You know, for the most part, we bought we bought that house that was built in nineteen oh nine, and we did eighty five percent of the work between Midlar and Austin. So we didn't really know a whole lot going into it, but we know a whole lot more right now than we did uh, seven years ago.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, that's fantastic. And and Coach, we talked. You know, we talked about you working with Shane Laster. You were at Hurd County for forever. You know what what spurred the move to, to Villarica was it anything personally was it just professional you know kind of, what kind of went into the uh, the thought process to moving, you know your, you know not only coaching but also teaching up to up to Villarica Well you, you know for me it, it, it was it was personally um, that so I was sitting there and, and I'd hired
2: such a really good staff and we've been together forever and ever and um, when you hire really good people and you assign them duties to do and they go do it and they do it well. Then, you know, if you're the guy in charge and that's the way you need to build a program or build a business that you need to be the least important person in the building once you get it right. And I did that and I'm sitting there really and you know, I'm watching Shane Lasseter work and he reminded me what I was 10 years ago. Uh, his, his son was in middle school. Uh, he was spending a lot of time down there trying to make sure the middle school program was right. And just like when Austin was in middle school, I was down there all the time. So, really, there was a part of it that, that I felt guilty, that uh, I thought Shane was out working me in the building. I thought I'd built something really, really good. And it was like, well, you know, wh- where's my value now? I would kind of delegated so much and, and, and got it to a, a right place that I was sitting there, and I, I really felt devalued, you know. So, I was like, I need to go to work. I need to start. I want to start from scratch again. And, you know, part of it is, is – Early in the years when we were turning the herd around, there was a lot of excitement and joy, you know, in just little things. You were getting little wins all the time. The program wasn't where it needed to be, but you were constantly getting these little wins and, you know, hey, we want to do A, then we do A, then, hey, let's go do B, and we do B. So that part of it was exciting to me. Building something is exciting to me. You know, where we're at, like right now, facility-wise, I love doing that kind of stuff. And a lot of what we're doing here is hands-on that we're doing ourselves. And obviously, we're getting help from the county on certain things. But, you know, it goes back to building. I like building. I like creating.
0: And and you talk about, you know, some of the uh, facilities you're doing with yourself. I saw that paint job your wife did over the, uh, the off-season last year with the lockers and everything in there. She did a great job.
2: She did. She did. We were covered from head to toe with paint. And, and that day, my wife was such a trooper. It was like 98 degrees that day and there were times like, like we're out there in the sun and it's just beating us down. And, and I, I was like, I have the best wife in America. Like she's out here really about to pass out from the heat and she's grinding through it. And, uh, so I'm blessed to have, uh, you know, uh, a person in my life that supports me, not just on the field, but off the field and those things. So it's pretty cool. And she's got more energy and all of us put together. So, uh, she'll work sur- circles around most men.
1: coach. Your son is on the staff at VR now. And, and how fun was it ex- to experience, prof- you know, a professional side of, of working with Austin?
2: You know, I mean, I, you know, I'd love to tell you that, that I'm learned, that he's learning more from me than I am from him. Um, but I've enjoyed just watching him teaching coach. Um, you know, I mean, he, he played for Scott Simons at West Georgia. I think that's where his background started. Then he got to go coach for Jamie Abrams, who was extremely, extremely good football coach and very OCD to the point. You know, uh, he's very sharp about everything he does. And, and uh, for him to come in to us at Villa Rica, so far ahead of uh, where I was as a coach, it's, you know, literally like I'm learning from him. Because, you know, as the game goes on, it, it changes, it evolves. Verbiage even changes. Um, So for me, like I'm picking his brain and asking him more questions than he's asking me. I'm simply saying, hey, that might be a little too complicated for these guys and trying to back him up a little bit that that maybe at this level that might be a little too much. But literally as far as understanding the game, understanding the concepts, he's – not your typical 25-year-old coach by any means.
0: And, Coach, uh, speaking of your son, I saw some pictures over the holidays of uh, of you, Miss Laura, and your son and your whole family and your granddaughter, who might be the cutest baby I think I've seen take any holiday pictures this year. She is absolutely gorgeous.
2: It, it, it's, it's funny right now because we were over there the other day and she's starting to figure things out. Austin's got her where she can flex now. But she don't <laughs> flex. She really just... Hold your breath until her face turns red, and so we were over there cracking up with that. And then she figured out her tongue, and she was sticking her tongue out to everybody. And it's like, you know, most people would think, "Oh, that's cheesy," but I get what grandparents see now. It's it's the little things and seeing her personality change and develop. And I'll tell you this: for six months, if I walked in the room, she cried when she looked at me. You know, there was there was about five or six people that that could hold Wrigley, and, and I wasn't one of them. And so, about about six months, she got used to it. And then, you know, I thought, okay, I'm in; everything's good. Uh, so when they're cutting up, she's laughing with you, playing. I take my hat off, and she sees my bald head and just burst out crying. So I quickly put my hat back on. But uh, it it has been a really joy for us to see her just grow and seeing her come into her own personality.
0: Now, now, y'all haven't spoiled her at all or anything, have you? Look, she's going to be so spoiled. It's
2: between uh, uh Austin's mom, Miss Laura, and between Callie's mom. Um she's gonna be spoiled now. We just gotta make sure she ain't rotten.
1: Well coach, you you talk about having a grand a granddaughter and, and this is this is the first coach that we've had a chance to actually talk about that has grandchildren. What is it like to to see your child have kids and, and just it's a different level, is it not?
2: It is, you know, and and, and you know, I, I crack up and laugh because, you know, Austin is he, he's OCD like Jamie and very, and and Callie's the same way that you know everything's got to be done a certain way and I'm sitting there they're reading every book in the world they're going through it I mean it's it's like, you know, they are like, you know, millennial parents I don't know what you call it but, you know. When I was growing up, I didn't read no book when I had Austin and all that. We didn't know what we were doing, and we didn't really even ask anybody. I don't know how he turned out the way he did, but it's neat to watch them uh, and, and, and their parenting techniques and how they do things, and um, and, and they're on it now. I mean, it's like they said, well, we read this book and talked to these people that if we stay on this schedule every day, this is going to happen. And uh, She's like a machine. They're like, Every day at a certain time, there's going to be nap time. Every day at a certain time, is going to be dinner. And uh, it, it's pretty impressive, you know. Maybe that's why Austin cried all the time as a baby, because uh, we didn't have him on a, a, a rigid schedule.
0: <laughs> 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 and, and, Coach, you talked about, you know, when you were younger, growing up and everything – uh what What sports were you into? What sports did you play when you when you were growing up and did you ever have any dreams of uh maybe playing professionally when you know, when you were a young kid playing sports?
2: Oh absolutely you know um you know growing up I was in a neighborhood where we had thirteen kids within seven houses on one street so no, a football was, team on one street we did if it was football season, we were playing football in the yard. If it was basketball season, we were playing basketball on a goal that we nailed to a tree. Uh, If it was baseball season, (laughs) we were playing wiffle ball, you know, and and we played all our games in in DJ and Randall's yard, Um, you know, and and we'll go back through there and and see the old houses and... and We'll be looking at the front yard was tiny, and we'd be saying like, "We'll go deep." And now, as an adult, I'm looking back. That wasn't really deep. That's about a 15-, 20 yard field we're playing on. So, uh, <laughs> but but it was, you know, we played every sport year round. It just we did, and we when we got older, um, you know, I played uh, I played some basketball in high school. wasn't real good. I, I played baseball growing up all the way. Since I guess I was about six through high school. I didn't play my junior year. I'll tell you that story later. Um, but really I wasn't really good in baseball. I was good enough to play and start. Uh I wasn't really good in basketball. I couldn't make a left handed layup. Uh if you would have asked me in ninth grade if I could play basketball really good, I'd have told you, yeah, I'm pretty dang good. And then uh then you'd pop in some old film and think, No wonder that kid's riding riding the bench over there. So um those kind of <laughs> things. But You know, if I could go back and just talk to my younger self, I'd tell him I'd I'd be way more truthful uh, to myself than I was as a kid. Um, (laughs) But it was, you know, everybody playing, of course. Um, You know, when I was a kid, uh, you know, I wanted to grow up and I wanted to be a Georgia Bulldog. I wanted to be Atlanta Falcon. That was, you know, from a kid's mentality. And then, you know, about time when I was a junior in high school, I realized that I'm 5'9", 165. Those things aren't really going to happen because even though i was small I, I ran you know on a good day a 49140 you know so I, I I wasn't big and I wasn't real fast um so uh so there you have it um my professional dreams were not going to come through
1: well at that point you know your professional dreams not coming through when did you think that's when did you know that you were going to coach and i and i i love this story because you and I have, have talked about this off the record before but I kind of want you to tell this, but what role models did you have as a kid that inspired you to, to have that dream? Because you've, you've told me about DJ and Randall's dad, which was phenomenal. Correct. It's a phenomenal. Yeah. I mean,
2: there's no doubt. So, you know, everybody that knows me, DJ and Randall, we grew up together, lived right beside each other since we were five years old. Um, I grew up in a somewhat dysfunctional family, um, that, uh, Alcohol was in it, abuse was in it, um, and, and it was just tough. It was it was just tough on me, and you know, at that young age. And and and, and you know, I'll be the first to tell you that my dad's in a great place now. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not upset and or angry at my father in any way, but he had some battles and, and things he had to go through. But but it took us through it. So at an early age, I I didn't know what a father figure is supposed to look like what a man is supposed to act like those kind of things, those examples weren't, weren't given. Now I was always loved, you know, 100% loved by my dad, loved by my mother. Um, and that, but there was battles and struggles within that house. Um, Mr. You know, thankfully we lived beside Mr. Kerbo, and, and, uh, he became that guy that, that, that I looked up to, um, he invested in my life. Uh, we didn't have money. You know, we were very, very poor. Um, we had a, a ranch that we could cut the water off. You know, you know, the water man would come by and he, he would cut us off because we didn't pay the bill. And dad would go out there and, and he'd cut it back home. You know, uh, I think we went two years without, without hot water in the house um, where we would have, we, we paid the electric bill. We didn't pay the gas bill. So we would boil water uh, on the stove to take our baths. Um, you know, at that age, you know, I really didn't think a whole lot about it. I just thought that everybody had struggles and every everybody had battles, et cetera. But, but down the road, Mr. Kerbo started investing in me. And uh, he, w- he would pay for me to go to, you know, UGA's football camp. He would do different things. Uh, he started taking us when we were in middle school. He took us to a, a Friday night football game every Friday. And it didn't matter where it was. It could have been, you know, we'd go see the best teams in the state play. We'd go down to Valdosta, watch them play. We'd go to the East, East Room, West Rome games, watch them play. And uh, so, you know, him pouring into me uh, was was big. Um, every year, you know, this is this is pretty neat. Every year that uh, when we were growing up, Mr. Crowbell would take me, DJ, and Randall We would go to the mountains and what he called a man's trip um so on this one trip we got to act like men um we didn't bring tents we had to bring ponchos and rope and we had to bring our own sea rations and all those kind of things but we had to hike up the appalachian mountains and we would we would camp out but and while we were there once we had the you know our our poncho set up to keep the rain off us and those things and we gathered wood for the fire. Mr. Kerbo would sit around and tell us uh, stories about Vietnam. And uh, and you know some parents were cringe with this, but you know we were eight years old. And on this trip, Mr. Kerbo was a big cigar and pipe smoker. He would let us smoke a cigar and sit around and listen to the to, to the stories. So he was letting us act like men on this one trip. Now once we we were off the mountain, you know he's gonna whoop us if we did anything like that. But it was it was the man's trip. And, uh, you know, and we did it all the way up to where we were 16. And, uh, you know, at one point in time when Austin was old enough and DJ's son Riley was old enough, we got to take them on that same trip. And uh, how special. And that was the last trip we got to to go on before Mr. Kerbo passed away. And, you know, this was a man that, you know, we would hike up. uh, You know, for me as a kid, I thought it was like, Five miles, But when we did it when we were older, it was really like a mile up into the mountains. But, you know, he had one foot. He got his foot blown off. So, uh, you know, he would do that with a cane, uh, missing a foot. And But we did that all the way growing up. You know, another thing he did, you know, Mr. Kerbo was like, if you listen to his language and listen to him the way he talked, you would think on the outside that he wasn't a loving, caring person but like he would get a government check from getting his foot blown off in the war once a month. And when he did that, he he'd go buy a hundred dollars worth of candy and every kid would be waiting on because we knew it was government day and we'd all go to the Kerbo's house and he'd have that candy just waiting on us. You know, there was that side of him that, that some people really never got to know. Um, I'll tell you one thing, you know, he was going to discipline us. And uh, I remember talking at his funeral, telling the stories how if we were going on family vacation and let's say we're riding down the interstate and we got in an argument, he would make us get out of the vehicle on the interstate and he would pull up a mile and he'd make us run to it. And uh, I remember riding, you know, running down the road, me and DJ and our cars would slow down and check, see if we're okay. And we're like, okay, We're fine. Leave us alone, you know, because we knew we had to get up there before Mr. Kerbo made us do an extra mile, you know. And, heck, the last time me and, me and Randall had to run for that, we were arguing over a can opener in the back seat. That's how dumb we were. <laughs> uh, we wanted to play with a can opener. I don't know. But, uh, but you know, he was going to love us. He was going to discipline us. Uh, he was going to teach us how to be young men, strong men, good husbands, good fathers good providers, those things were, were there. And when I was in eighth grade, uh, DJ DJ's dad, for a lot, lot of years, he was working for the government, but he always wanted to get into high school coaching. He was our red tech coach growing up. Um, but when he finished his degree in education, he took a job at Mount Zion High School in Carrollton, and we grew up in Mapleton. So Mr. Kerbo left and was not in my life. So I was blessed enough that at that next point, I was going into high school. And uh, when I got to high school, there was a coach named Tony Fellas uh, who kind of took over that role and and was just very influential in me. And so I knew by the time I was, I want to say eighth grade, ninth grade, I won't say eighth grade because Mr. Kerbo wasn't coaching at the high school level then. I would say middle of my ninth grade year, and DJ probably tell you the same thing, we knew one day we were going to coach and we knew we were going to coach together.
0: Coach, i i i gotta i gotta write down that uh that running a mile up ahead. I got three kids that get into fights constantly on road trips, so i'm i'm gonna write that one down because I like that one a lot. And that's a that's a good one. I'm gonna stick that one in my back pocket.
2: Well, I can tell you it will work. I can't tell you what defects
0: would do to you these days, but I mean, that's, <laughs> of but I I, I know, think I mean, that's missing a lot is so that tough love. I mean, that's especially little boys. Like they gotta have some of that tough love growing up. Oh, there's no doubt. And, and you know, and, and this is a soapbox
2: for me is, is I feel like we're failing as adults because kids haven't changed. You know, it, you know people are, oh, I'd hate to teach kids and coach kids these days. They're, they're no different than we are. They're going, they know where the boundaries at. They're going to flirt with that boundary. And sometimes they're going to cross over it. But basically we've just moved that boundary. We lowered our standards and, and, and the end product, uh, what we're putting out at, at graduation day is not real good. I mean, I think we, we, you know, years ago, we didn't have to teach these things within the classroom, but we're having to now. And I think we got to get back to teaching more of that, that teaching young men how to be young men, young women how to be hardworking young women. Um, We got to start going back to those life skills. Those things are important. And I think we've got to bring in the business industry. And I think we got to lean on them. Like, what do you want out of a high school graduate? Because right now, when we send them somebody, they're failing they're getting fired they don't know how to work they don't respect authority and and this is across the board i don't care what race you are what you are uh male female anything we've got to raise our standards back up and understand that not everybody's going to graduate not everybody's going to get through this but the ones that do are going to be very very productive and they're going to move us into a better place
0: and coach you know i you know i live and work in the same community you do Uh, my wife teaches at glanton hinesman and And, and, you know, we see it day in and day out that a lot of this home lives for these kids, I mean, they're failing the kids. So when they get, when they get to school, when they get to extracurricular activities, when they get to their sports, when they get to practice that, you know, you can have such a positive influence on young men and young women's lives, just being there to, to coach them, to show them some tough love, you know, to know that, Hey, we're going to mess up, but it's okay. If we mess up, we can come back for that. We can recover and we can get better every single day
2: absolutely you know but but in order to coach somebody hard and give them that tough love they've got to know that they are loved you know um and yes like i I believe in old school and i believe that we got to raise tougher people but in order to do that kids know if you love them kids know if you care about them and if you don't then you can't you can't be hard on you know um, you know, our job as coaches, you know, we gotta love on them when it's time to love on them, and we gotta, we gotta get on them and work them hard when it's time to work them hard. But there has to be that balance, and 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 kids these days, and probably forever, it's always been this way. They gotta know that you love them, and once they know you care about them beyond being an athlete, a player, or whatever they bring, you know, to the table, if they know you you care about them beyond that. Then, then you're going to be able to hold those real conversations with them and and get them to move to a better place.
0: Kids, kids will be able to sniff out a BSer every single time. I, I've I've seen it year, for years that when they have a coach that just wants results, they they don't they're not investing in that young man or that young woman just as a you know a person, just as a normal person. Kids will sniff out a BSer one hundred percent.
2: You know, even even to the point like, you know, there's guys that are that are real tough. You know, if they come out there and they're trying to be all nice and different from their personality, the kids will be like, what's wrong with so-and-so today? Or if that coach, he's really a nice guy and he, he struggles with with, with 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 the hard part of it, that kind of it, he's just got to be true to himself, you know, and figure out different ways to, to get that discipline out of them. But they they know who we are, and they'll see right through us if we're not true to who we are and uh, truly loving and caring about them.
1: Coach You've been coaching for a long time. Let's let's just be honest. Your your coaching tree is pretty big. What what kind of joy do you get out of seeing your proteges have success?
2: Oh, you know, it's the camaraderie, the love, and that we care about each other beyond what we do. You know, um, you know. And the thing is, and I'll be the first one to tell you that that I was successful because I surrounded myself with really really good people, smart people. So. To say it's my tree, I, I don't know what you would call it. I would say that that I leaned on them as much as they leaned on me and, and uh, that we learned from each other and we grew from each other. But, you know, now there's so many guys that I've coached with that I know right now could go out and be a great head coach right this minute. Um, I think there were times that it hurt it, it when we had the staff from top to bottom in place that, We could have juggled everybody's job description or whatever, and it wouldn't have mattered if it was uh, DJ, the head coach, Randall, the head coach, Shane, the head coach, and and we could have just moved the staff around, and and it it would have worked just like it, it, it did for all those years. Because, you know, when you surround yourself with people who don't care about credit, they don't care about that stuff, and they just care about, you know, what can we do to get better? What can we do to invest in these kids' life? And you have that relationship. Yeah, there's a coaching tree, um, but but it, I, I think with me it's about we all just learn from each other from the start to the finish, and, and, you know, there was just a love and a care about each other. So anytime Uh, these coaches go out there and they get a job or they have success or you know like Finley winning a big game this year and and uh, winning it all Um, there's there's a sense of pride Um, but again I don't look at it as like I trained this guy I think they trained me as much as I trained them
0: coach one of the things I remember from you you came out and called a Bowden game with me this year and one of the coolest things for me was just to watch you go through watching a game and breaking down a game, and how much fun you were having watching that team play and watching that offense roll. It was it was really neat for me. I I kind of forgot I was there supposed to be calling a game. I, I sort of just wanted to watch you enjoy a football game.
2: Well, you know, I mean, it's it, it really is fun and nice to watch a game that you don't have to be so emotionally attached. Now, obviously, you're emotionally attached because you care about those guys out there coaching uh, and you want them to be successful, but it's nice to be up there and just sit back and take the emotion out of it and, and, and watch, watch these coaches coach, watch them make adjustments. watch you know, you know, kind of having a, a little bit of understanding of why they're doing certain things and you see them do it and then they execute it. And so that, that was a lot of joy for me.
1: Yeah. We, we, <clears throat> Driving down Early County with you and, and, and DJ in the, in the camper and you guys breaking down film. I realized, and, and Bryce mentioned this before, he, he's, he's been a big football fan and, and thinks that he knows a lot about football, but I realized I know absolutely nothing about football after just watching the football with you guys. But something else well, that happened this week, and i was going to bring this up to you. <clears throat> i was I was speaking to a coach in uh I was speaking to a coach locally and he he heard a rumor about you from early county that i didn't necessarily have to squash but i had to tell maybe wasn't a hundred percent truthful and but it was it was funny just how um, how your influence on a on a football team or how you were there at early county made such a difference in in some of the coaches, uh, decisions while they were down there.
2: When when you're in charge of any program, doesn't matter what, you're in charge of any organization, then there's going to be things that that are said about you. Uh, and, and sometimes it just cracks me up because it is so far from reality. And you just wonder, you know, how does some of this stuff manifest? Where does it come from? Um, some people are very creative in their imagination and, and, uh, but make no bones about it that I was there to support, um, Randall, DJ, that staff. and uh, and I was there to support DJ. you know, uh, there was absolutely one of them sitting no hard feelings. Uh, I wanted him to be successful. Uh, I wanted Randall and Finley to be successful um, because I care about about each of them.
0: and and coach, speaking about rumors, you know we we saw what the Indianapolis Colts did this year. They elevated a high school football coach up to their interim head coach. Uh, there are some rumors swirling around that you're going to throw your hat in the ring, possibly for an NFL head coach job. But now, now it's really <laughs> far-fetched
2: because, uh, one, uh, I'm not knowledgeable now. Anybody that really knows me, they know that I'm a relationship guy and that, that I surround myself with good relationships. And I got to be around X's and O's guys and, and, uh, and let them coach. So, uh, I wish I was that knowledgeable. Uh, I wish I could get paid to coach a game for for that much money, but, but, uh, that the, uh, far from the truth. <laughs> All
1: right, coach. Uh, what is your favorite post game meal after a meal? I mean, obviously we know that you used to come up into the press box and talk with us, but what's your favorite post game meal? <laughs> like
2: post game meal. I really like, it's hard for me to eat much after a ball game. Uh, cause I'm, you know, so much is going through my head, you know, what we did right, what we did wrong, what we need to do better. Uh, I usually just eat, you know, the touchdown club gives us cheeseburgers or, and chicken sandwiches, so one of them is plenty for me after a ball game. Now Thursday nights my meal. I, I'm gonna eat chicken wings on Thursday nights. So uh, that's my ritual.
0: All right, coach. You're you're at home. It's a Sunday afternoon, you ain't got nothing going on. It's pouring down the rain outside, you're at home. What's the one movie you want to flip on? What's your favorite movie to watch when you ain't got nothing to do, just sitting at home?
2: Golly, I, I got a bunch of them. I mean, I I could watch any Rocky over and over. Um, Not any. I couldn't watch Rocky Five with Tommy Machine Gun, whatever he was. That was that was <laughs> bad. I, I love Rockies. I love Top Gun. Uh, Cinderella Man is probably my favorite. Oh, that's a good pro- one. You know. uh, but, but I remember as a kid, my dad would watch old movies. And I'd be like, why are you watching this old movie? You, you've seen it 10 times. And I, did, I didn't understand that until in the past 10 years because, you know, I can watch a movie that, that I enjoyed uh, as a younger kid, young, younger man, and watch it over and over and over again and still get the same result and still feel like I've seen it 10 times. And Laura would be like, oh, we got, we got to go. And, you know, I want to see the ending, you know. <laughs> Even though I've seen the ending that many times. Um but I but you know those those are good one. Uh I'm trying to think
0: of some of the other really good movies. Um well, which, some... which one's your favorite Rocky out of all the Rockies? Which one's your favorite one? Do I have to can can I just narrow it to two? Yeah, you can. Uh uh three and four. Oh, the four's the best. I love it. That's that four is my i f- I've watched Rocky Four probably a billion times. I love I, that movie. I,
2: I watched it two days ago, but I'll tell you a story, and I'm going to tell you his name. I, I don't know how old we are. Whatever age I was when uh, Rocky III came out, me and uh, one of one of my buddies named Bubba Miles went and watched it at the theater, and we were so fired up, and we hated Clubber Lane so much, and like there was a bunch of kids there, and we said, the next kid that comes in the bathroom, we're going to pretend he's Clubber Lane, and so soon as the kid walked in Bubba Miles like karate chopped him in the stomach <laughs> and we'd get kicked out of uh of the theater because we were knuckleheads <laughs> but, but we were so mad at Clubber Lane and, and that scene where he says "I like, come over I'll show you a real man like we were ready to take Rocky
0: uh, <laughs> that's awesome
2: like, coach like like every other kid you know I drank a lot of raw eggs I can uh that, that was going to get me through the day and that was going to build them big muscles. And I'd be, I'd be good to go. Uh,
0: I think all I did is get sick. Oh yeah. I I remember, I remember as a small kid, uh, watching the Rambo movies and uh, when he sewed himself up, I remember me and my uncle watching and we were like, that's awesome. So we'd go outside and intentionally get hurt and like have a cut. And then we'd go inside and grab our grandma's uh, sewing kit and try to sew our wounds up ourselves out in the backyard. <laughs> so yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about with the with the raw eggs and Rocky.
2: No doubt, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I, I can see that that scene vividly in my head when he jumps off the cliff to the trees and falls from one branch to another.
1: Yep, <laughs>
2: no doubt. Coach, final no doubt.
1: question for me, and then uh, Bryson do his. But do you have any personal goals set for yourself? Uh, for 2023, not necessarily resolutions, but just personal goals.
2: There's things that that I want to fix uh, structurally, you know, which to me is the most important. Like, I want to make sure that we're finishing up the middle school weight rooms um, because we're growing a little bit. I, I, that's important to me. It's important to me that 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 we convince everybody in this area in the, in the middle school league that Billerica gets to have one middle school team like everybody else. Um, That's very, very important to me. Very important to me that there's some structural stuff here. Like we want to make sure the ninth grade locker room gets an add-on. But these are the things that are important to me because, I mean, I'll just be clear with anybody. I mean, I don't have a lot more years where I want to be the man in charge. I want to continue to coach. I still want to teach. I want to do those things. But I want to make sure that when I'm done here, the next head coach doesn't have to fight all these battles that, that I've had to fight. And, and not me by myself. I mean, there's a group and organization here that that we're fighting it together to fix it. Because if we fix this, the next person doesn't have to fight that battle. Things that, are, that have held this program back that are fixable and controllable uh, those are the things that I want to fix that way the next person that comes in they don 't have that battle that financially they 're in a better place, everything from top to bottom's in a better place, and ultimately, the main thing is is we 've got to have one middle school football team just like everybody
0: else does and coach the the final question for me is have we set a date yet for the football team's scramble? <laughs>
2: It would be around June 11th it's, it's kind of that it, and it may be the, the day at the, the week afterwards, um, but we haven't set that yet, and because like right now we're gearing up towards the auction. but I do let me say this one thing before we go, because it's been on, on my mind and heart um, what we're trying to do here. the next step for this, you know you know what I talked about with middle school, those are things that, that are controllable the next step for this program to go and, and get to a level that, that is capable of getting, it got to be community support. And and I'll tell you this, there is a small group of people that do so much. Like we generated a lot of money with our corporate sponsorships last year, but outside of that, that group, that niche, there's not that same desire where you would see in the city of Carrollton where if you don't give to the city of, you know Carrollton High School, and you're within the city, you're shunned, you're you're ostracized. I mean, it, it's important, and it's important to those business that all of them give. You know, we don't have that complete community support here yet, and I don't know if it's because people in my seat before haven't tried to really, really tap into it, but but my goal is is to get the word out to every business within villa Rica high school and say look every kid doesn't matter if they live in villa Rica high school district they're going to these elementary schools some of them go to different ones some may go to different middle schools but they're all going to end up at villa Rica high school we have to invest into villa Rica high school uh, and, and that that comes from community involvement and building relationships and uh I've met with a mayor. I've met with a city manager. Uh, we're getting some things together where they're going to get me in front of some people that I haven't been in front of before. But we have to get that community 100% back in support that that Carrollton gets. You know, don't sit down the road and be jealous that they've got A, B, or C. We have to emulate anything that's that we can. Obviously, it's a city school to a county school. But there's certain things that we can do and we can say, you guys have been really successful. We want to do what you've been doing. How do we do that? How do we get that community involvement, that community support uh, that, that you're,
0: that, that's that been created uh, in the city of Carrollton? And Coach, some of the stuff that you've done, honestly, just in the, I mean, the short time you've been there, just a little over two years, has paid off. I mean, you know, my, my kids now want to be Wildcats when they grow up. They go to Glanton Hines and they see the, the football players go in there and read to them and all that stuff. and. You know, I kind of always had a dream of them going to Douglas County when I went, but uh but they they come home, they want to be Wildcats now. So it's it's slowly catching on at the at the bottom and, and and growing up, coach. So the the steps that you've taken so far out here have definitely been noticed by myself and especially my wife. She's in the school system every single day uh and and, and she sees all that a lot more intimately than I do. I'm I'm locked in my office for ten to twelve hours a day. Um, But, you know, I mentioned this last year when we talked to you um, before the Blessed Trinity um, uh, playoff game. That the the signs and everything just lining the road to the football stadium and the signs and in all the buildings and and all the businesses and all the restaurants and everything in Villarica. I don't want to see that just when there's a big playoff game in town. I want to see it when the basketball team has a big game, when the football team has a, you know, the third game of the year that's an out-of-conference opponent that's not very big. I want to see that. Uh, when when the softball team or the baseball team has a game going on, I want to see that year around here. So you're not, you know, that that small group that you talked about supporting. It's it's growing, and I, I'd like to see it grow to those businesses and see the support year around for that high school.
2: Absolutely, absolutely, and and that's our goal. And when we're talking about the things we're doing with the community, we're not wanting it to be just a football thing. We're, we want it to be. Every, every, every aspect of
0: everything we do at the high school. All right, Coach. Thanks for joining us. You got any final thoughts for us today? No, I'm good. I, I appreciate you guys taking the time. Awesome. Well, this has been the Get to Know You series with head coach Tim Barron. We will see y'all next with another head coach around our area. For Billy Lindahl, I am Bryce Sparling. Same time, same place next week.